When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Neil Preston, and you are listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs With host Martin Popoff A production of Pantheon Podcasts Let's rock out with Martin. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Um, chuffed, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, uh, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Okay, so... I wanted to do an episode that is kind of a follow-up to the previous episode where we talked about the likes of Angel, Moxie, Tease. It got me thinking a little bit about, um, and we had a little bit of debate on the Facebook page about this as well, this idea of um, Angel as being the next Deep Purple and the debate between them and Legs Diamond as being, well, not the next Deep Purple. I mean, I'll get to this in a second, but the American Deep Purple. Um, and one of our uh, fine listeners, um, you know, mentioned that, no, Angel are the American UFO. And I I, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, um what I wanted to do was an episode that we are going to call The Blank Deep Purple. Um, so it is a follow-up episode on the previous one. I'm going to talk a little bit about Angel in this, but I'm going to talk about them in a different way than I talked about in the, in the previous episode. So, yeah, here we go. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This episode we're going to be calling The Blank Deep Purple. Now, so what I wanted to do with this, it's going to be kind of a playful look at bands that were compared to Deep Purple quite a bit. Um, I've often thought, or, you know, I, I've kind of semi-developed um, also uh, today this idea of doing one on the next Led Zeppelin, because there are, are a few bands talked about in that uh, in that right as well. So there might be a sister episode to this one, seeing how these episodes kind of build on previous episodes. So... Okay, you know how we do this. We pick five song clips to illustrate uh, the point I'm going to make. So uh, let's kick it off with some music right now. This is Uri Heap with Shadows of Grief. All right, so Uriah Heap are basically considered 
the other Deep Purple. Um, and they were considered this right from the beginning. I mean, they had the same configuration as Deep Purple in terms of having a frontman who doesn't play an instrument and having a prominent keyboardist in the band, Ken Hensley in this in this case, uh, versus John Lord in Deep Purple. Now, uh, you know, to be a Deep Purple, um, as as these future bands or these later bands we're going to talk about, and your eye heap, you have to have this honking idea of uh, um, Hammond organ, um, possibly being played through a rotating Leslie, um, but um, to give it that distortion, but this idea of Hammond organ being in there, uh, you know, almost backing up the uh, guitar riffs in your heap's case, Mick Box. In Deep Purple's case, Richie Blackmore. So you, so it's almost like you have a second rhythm guitarist in the band. In UFO, who we talked about earlier, you will actually have this happening as well with the likes of uh, Paul Paul Raymond, Danny Peyronel, Neil Carter. Um, but actually, Paul Raymond's an interesting case in that band because he literally will stand behind his keyboard and play guitar sometimes as well. So here he is underscoring the idea of having this backup second rhythm guitarist. So what you heard with this Uri Heap song, which, by the way, is my favorite Uri Heap song, and it's actually King Diamond's favorite Uri Heap song as well. This is from the Look at Yourself album. It's their uh, it's their third album, uh, great heavy album, uh, but the first album is almost equally as heavy. But what I, why I wanted to play this is you really get this sense of this melange between the keyboards and the guitar and these excellent, excellent production values. And as I've said before uh, in this podcast and elsewhere, interviews or what whatnot, um, I think your eye heap actually mastered the Deep Purple sound better than Deep Purple did in, in a lot of cases, uh, simply because of this super high level of potent chemistry between the band playing together. You know, we know that Deep Purple fought like cats and dogs. I'm not saying that that's the reason they didn't have chemistry, but also because of the production values you get on this record and on the likes of the first record, particularly the song Gypsy. Now, just a few other things to draw similarities here. Your Eye Heap and Deep Purple actually practiced in the same uh, practice space uh, getting off the ground. And the Your Eye Heap album that quintessentially starts off this other Deep Purple idea is the debut album called Your Eye Heap in America called Very Evy, Very Humble in uh, the UK with a different album cover, both with uh, with ghoulish monsters on the cover. Um, but the Your Eye Heap album comes out June 3rd, 1970. Uh, no, sorry, June 13th, 1970, Deep Purple in Rock, the one that starts it all off with this sound, forget about the early psych band, um, but starts it off with this sound is June 3rd, 1970. So they're coming out within 10 days of each other. And then the press constantly compared the two together. They're these two big British bands, the other being, the others being Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, but these two bands, they both have five members in the band, they both have a front man. Uh, they both have a dedicated keyboardist. So all the same configuration, bass, guitar, drums, frontman, keyboardist. Um, you know, and I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. Like when Mick Box would get asked about um, uh, Deep Purple and the comparisons to Deep Purple, he good-naturedly would say, you know, with a little bit of a jab, uh, the, the the main difference is uh, they have one singer, we have five. So that's the other big thing about your Heap. They had all these harmony vocals. Um, but, you know, the other comparison is that they all had um, revolving door lead singer situations. Um 
you know, and and they all kind of, both bands kind of went down in the late seventies. Deep Purple disappeared. They actually broke up. Not before they um they changed lead singers, but Uriah Heep lost their classic lead singer Dave Byron. There was a little John Wetton in there, John Lawton, blah blah blah. Um, you know, um, so essentially they they have this career path that's sort of the same. Uh, Uriah Heep comes back with Abominog, kind of a good heavy tough album for the new wave of British heavy metal. Deep Purple reunites and comes out with Perfect Strangers, and then later on they're very prolific, making great albums in a conservative zone that uh, that you know where they should be. And and again they're being compared over and over again now um, because they've had these strong recent histories of great albums, great music, um, you know stable lineups and uh, and lots and lots of touring so there you go in our history and five songs with martin popoff this episode being called the blank deep purple your eye heap we are calling the other deep purple okay moving on number two let's take a listen to this first of all i always like to announce this take a listen because i always wonder uh whether i forget to say take a listen and then there has to be some editing that takes place we we try to do this with no editing whatsoever uh, but anyway so yes so take a listen um this is gillen with what's the matter All right, so there you go. I love this band. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. Gil and I often say, you know, to be my favorite band, you have to uh, make five or six or seven albums and then break up before you get lousy. Um, and that's exactly what Gillen did. They have, uh, depending on how you count, what is it, five, six, seven albums. Um, but this is off of their last studio album called Magic. Uh, I wanted to play this one, What's the Matter, because it is a very heavy song. So what is, uh, wh- where does Deep Purple fit in this episode? I mean, where does Gillen fit in this episode, the blank Deep Purple? I am going to call them the punk Deep Purple. Um, and for a few reasons. Um, you know, I, I, I've basically always thought uh, Gillen was the frantic, sped up, chaotic, about to fly off, uh, fly off the shelf, fly off, whatever, what is the wheel flying off the, anyways, uh, flying off the axle, basically on the edge of chaos version of, um, of Deep Purple. So Gillen comes into being kind of late 78, 1979. So they're not exactly in the punk era. They're in a different era, which I'm not going to name because I have another band for that one coming up. Um, but the thing about Gillen that makes them the punk Deep Purple are are various and they are, I suppose, the following. So you get Ian Gillen in there as the singer. So he's actually the singer of Deep Purple. But here he is. He's the he's the drunken version, the less takes, the party deep purple. This is this is a really kind of like Ian on a tear time. So he's like a punk version of himself in this band. Uh, you get a guitarist in Bernie Torme and later Yannick Gares, but especially Bernie Torme early on. He had makeup on and straggly clothes. He looked like a member of Hanoi Rocks or New York Dolls, the spiky hair. He's kind of a punky guy. He has a garagey sound. He comes from a bit of a punk background. So you get this punk guitarist in there as well. In Colin Towns, you have almost like a punk version of John Lord. Um, 
you know, doing all this crazy stuff. I often can, you know, call Gillen like the demented Doors version of Deep Purple as well. Um, but, you know, he's kind of wacky. He's doing strange stuff. And then to put it all together, well, actually, you've got um, you've got uh, John McCoy with a very kind of dirty bassy sound. And you've got Mick Underwood with a with a frantic punk style, um, you know, sometimes in the drumming. And then you put it all together. And most of the Gillen albums have this very compressed, distorted kind of mid-range middle sound. So everything about this band uh, kind of makes them, to fit our episode, the punk Deep Purple. Um, and yeah, they, they came and went, um, you know, they, they came, they conquered, they saw, they, they were just like a drunken, ragged bunch of pirates. They, they, were, they were punk in so many ways, I suppose. Uh, in ter- and, and again, musically speaking, um, they, they kind of had a Deep Purple template. They had a lot of this, uh, this unison keyboards going with the guitar. They were, they were a heavy rock band like Deep Purple. They were bluesy like Deep Purple. They were proggy. They could do all the things that Deep Purple would do. They just did them way messier. Okay, so that was our number two. Let's take a short break and we shall be right back. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rocking. Okay. Back again, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This episode is called The Blank Deep Purple, just like Richard Hell and the Voidoids, the blank generation, right? Um, so number three, let's take a listen to this. This is No Reprieve from White Spirit. Okay, so this is our most obscure band that you're going to hear um, in this episode, The Blank Deep Purple. I will call White Spirit, and many journalists did at the time, you know, sounds and going into Kerrang! and all that stuff. Um, so many smart writers at the time called these guys the new wave of British heavy metal Deep Purple or the new album Deep Purple. And why? So what you hear in this, White Spirit, they only made one album. 
it came out on MCA. MCA was nice to get in there with the New Wave British Heavy Metal, and they did a lot of stuff like Tigers of Pantang and Quartz and some compilations and stuff, uh, Fist. Um, so here they are uh, with this very commercial-sounding band that had a lot of promise. Um, they have keyboardists, so, uh, so Malcolm Pearson is their keyboardist. Uh, they have a, a, uh, a lead vocalist, Bruce Ruff, uh, you know, just in that good kind of mid-high but still manly range like an Ian Gillen. Uh, so he he kind of fits the Ian Gillen mode. Um, and, you know, they, so they have this configuration that's like a Deep Purple, but they also, they're recording well like Deep Purple. And they are, um, they are truly like this album is commercial, accessible, a little bit pomp rock. So pomp rock is like a follow-on from Deep Purple in a certain way with bands like New England and even like Sticks and Touch and uh, who else was in there? I don't know, Aviary, Roadmaster. Uh, there's a bunch of these bands in the late 80s that that had a little bit of that, um, that Deep Purple sound because they had the keyboards. So White Spirit were this promising band um, that sounded a lot like Deep Purple and the short, the short uh, you know, the elevator pitch on them all the time was these guys are the new wave of British heavy metal Deep Purple. You know, sadly, it never really came to fruition. The album didn't do great. They had a few singles as well. This was one of those cool singles bands that had some songs that were not on the LP. Um, so they did some singles. But yeah, they only did this one album, a self-titled called White Spirit. The other claim to fame of this band is that they coughed up uh, Yannick Gares. Interestingly, first to Gillen. So he goes from the New Averish Heavy Metal Deep Purple into the Punk Deep Purple. On that Gillen song you heard, that was Yannick Gares. Uh, Yannick was the uh, guitarist for Gillen just on their last two albums, Double Trouble and Magic. And then, of course, Yannick, years later, would show up uh, for Bruce Dickinson's solo album, Tattooed Millionaire, and then he'd be in Iron Maiden, and he's been in Iron Maiden ever since, since um, No Prayer for the Dying, 1990. Um, so, yeah, so that's interesting. So that guy's been in, uh, that guy's been in um, two of our uh, Deep Purple bands that we've got here. Okay, so moving on, um, you know, the band, again that we've talked about that kind of started this whole thing started me down this road from the last episode um, and I'm sure I mentioned it there Angel uh, let's take a listen this is The Tower So there you go. This is a great big progressive rock classic uh, on Angel's first album issued October 25th, 1975. These guys were on Casablanca. Great, great album. Go get it. Go listen to it. Killer, killer production. I believe it's Derek Lawrence on this. Um, I've, I've written up the story, as I mentioned before, I've written up the story of, I think, three of the Angel albums in this Yield Metal series uh, book thing I had where I had these six books out, I think, Two of them are out of print, four of them are still in print. But I also do these short essays that you could get at Zunior.com as ebooks. And and a lot of these bands, um, you know, that I couldn't write a full book on, I've written these long essays on, and Angel is one of them. Um, but yes, I remember, uh, I believe, yeah, interviewing Derek Lawrence about, about Angel. Um, you know, he's not known as a great producer. He came from the old Deep Purple days as well, but he just kills it, um, you know, producing, uh, you know, these records where... Um, 
God, I hope this is Derek Lawrence, but I, I think it is. Anyways, the production on this album is really, really, really good, uh, and and you can hear that again. You got you've got that excellent, excellent um, guitar keyboard alloy um, between Punky Meadows and Greg Jafria here that you get on our earlier track. Uh, you know, Shadows of Grief, and and you know, like I say, you certainly get on songs like Gypsy and Bird of Prey as well in your eye heat so you get this killer killer deep purplish sound out of angel that you do hear on this this song you do hear it on the next album as well which is very similar to this album hell of a band from 1976 but then it starts going downhill on the eddie kramer produced uh, on earth as it is in heaven and then the last two poppy albums we won't talk about that whole story because that was talked about in the last episode um but yeah, what I do love is, you know, the other thing, uh, Barry Brandt uh, in Angel um, is every bit as good a drummer in that Ian Pace mode. I put four drummers together like this, Ian Pace, Barry Brandt, Brian Downey from Thin Lizzy, and uh, who is the other one? Oh, I'm forgetting. Oh, yes, Mick Tucker from Sweet. Um, so they all have this this great finesse, this light touch, um, really, really groovy drummers, and they're all kind of similar. And I wanted to play you this little little excerpt of The Tower because you kind of hear, you know, the glory of Barry Brandt and the comparison to Ian Pace as well. Uh, but yes, this is really uh, more so about the keyboards, the progginess, the heaviness, the same sort of songs. Angel also has some of those cool circular riffs that you get out of Richie Blackmore. So Angel, yes, at the time, were talked about as the American Deep Purple. Okay, so moving on, we're up to number five. Let's take a little listen to this. This is Legs Diamond with Evil. All right, so Legs Diamond, also the only other band at the time, very similar, also talked about as being the American Deep Purple. So to recap, we've got the other Deep Purple, the Punk Deep Purple, the New Wave of British Heavy Metal Deep Purple, the American Deep Purple, and the American Deep Purple. Because Legs Diamond were talked about just like Angel as being uh, in in that mode. Legs Diamond had... um, Really good, solid debut in their self-titled. Uh, they were recording for Mercury. Uh, this one is uh, is kind of a slow, moody, evil song uh, called Evil, of course, um, off of their second album, A Diamond is a Hard Rock, 1977. So what you hear from this band, again, same configuration with a standalone uh, vocalist in Rick Sanford. And he kind of fits that Ian Gillen mode as well, that, you know, the manly high voice. You know, less so like... You know, Rob Halford does the really high stuff, but Rob Halford also has these other manly zones too, the growl and stuff like that. Uh, so does Ian Gillen with the screaming. But, you know, these vocalists, uh, let me let me see here. So who are our vocalists? Yeah, our vocalists, yeah. Um, uh, David Byron, Ian Gillen, who is Ian Gillen, of course. Uh, the White Spirit guy, the angel, you know, angel guy, Frank Domino, but also... Like I say, Rick Sanford here. Uh, But you also have a keyboardist who plays those big honking Hammond sort of sounds. And this is Michael Prince. So he is one of the key members of the band. And when they went through the patchy period in the 80s and then, you know, up to the quote unquote current lineup or whatever, sadly, Rick Sanford's not there. So I'm always going to feel it's a little compromised. But Michael Prince is in there. So he is, you have the keyboardist of the band being kind of one of the leaders of the band. Um, 
So yeah, Legs Diamond at the time in the press when anybody would talk about them because they weren't talked about very much. They were another band that clearly were called the American Deep Purple. And it's a good tag to put on a band, you know, a publicist or a manager. Like I say, an elevator pitch. You can put these tags on a band and say, oh, the next Deep Purple, very cool. Um, You know, and hopefully they'll be as uh, successful as Deep Purple. Um, But yeah, you hear across a lot of these Legs Diamond songs. Um, They're a little more guitar-centric. The keyboards are a little bit back. But you do hear a deep purpleness to them in the quality of the production, uh, you know, in the configuration of the band, the fact that they want to play accessible hard rock, keyboardy things. You know, you move on to the third album in Firepower where they kind of change a little bit. There's some there's some not so great covers on there. I think you lost your love and feelings on there. I always hated that song. Um, but, you know, a song like Underworld King uh, just feels like a Richie Blackmore song, like a cool Stormbringer or Burn kind of song. It was just this great heavy song on the Firepower album from 1979. This is when they lost their record deal and they kind of stepped down to Cream Records, it was called. Um but yeah, so they are uh, they are our other American Deep Purple. Um, so there you go. Uh, you know, like I say, there's probably others. Um, and in fact, I do want to mention a couple honorable mentions here. You know, Rainbow's an interesting case, and Rainbow the the being mixed up with Deep Purple. Now, you know, Rainbow you you can almost call them when they came out with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, but more so more so Rising. Um, you know, Deep Purple is now broken up in 1976, or on their ver- on the verge of breaking up, anyways, because um, they went through the you know the the big uh, personnel change last album with was come taste the band um but but essentially you know rainbow is back with something like a rising which is so inherently heavy metal deep purple from in rock or or you know pick your favorite heavy songs from machine head or fireball you know you could almost call rainbow uh in a to a certain extent the next deep purple um you know obviously they've got um Richie Blackmore in there. Um, so it's it's a little bit unfair here. But also, you know, it, this is all mixed up with another humorous situation where where Deep Purple, uh, later on, the Deep Purple album everybody forgets about, um, Slaves and Masters. Um, you know, this one was called, when they put this record out, they called it Deep Rainbow. Um, because it's almost like flipping the tables a little bit. This is almost like Deep Purple making the next Rainbow album. So the, so the Rainbow album's on from that JoLynn Turner era, Difficult to Cure, Straight Between the Eyes, Bent Out of Shape. Basically, Slaves and Masters sounds like the follow-up to Bent Out of Shape. And the funny thing here is that, so 50% of any band, I always say this, in most cases, 50% of any band is the lead vocalist. So here, the lead vocalist in Deep Purple for one cherished album only, and I call it cherished because I like this album a lot, um, is Joe Lynn Turner. He's an American guy. He's got his own way of thinking, his own way of writing, his own way of, you know, kind of being a, a foreigner type guy, the band foreigner. So 50% of the band, Joe Lynn Turner. Richie Blackmore, the other the other super important member of the band. Roger Glover, who was also in Rainbow and he's also producing. And then, of course, you've got Ian Pace and John Lord, who are non-writing members of Deep Purple, essentially. So basically, three-fifths of the band and probably the most important three-fifths are all Rainbow alumni. And they're making a very Rainbow kind of album. So, you know... 
Call it what you will if you want to fit this into our episode. You could call this the Rainbow Deep Purple or something like that. But they were definitely called Deep Rainbow, and this is almost like the next rainbow album so yeah a little meta a little meme there a little you know uh, uh you know but it's a cool honorable mention that rainbow can kind of get in there uh get into this concept in in two very different ways um okay so let's wrap it up that was history and five songs with martin popoff the blank deep purple um we've got a facebook page of course uh called history and five songs with martin popoff you can go there you can sign up i'll accept you as a member i would love to hear your comments debate away um there was some good debate on this last episode that sort of prompted this episode um you can go to martinpopoff.com and see all my books there i've written about 85 books on on a lot of this stuff um some deep purple books rainbow actually one of my one of my recent ones is a nice big thick brand new update on my old rainbow book it's now called sensitive to light so that's there um but yeah uh, i signed them shipped them out of the office um and you could go to my regular facebook page and comment there i'm at that that you know crappy friend uh friend limit of five thousand. can't can't really do any more there um and then i've got my regular facebook page as well you could twitter as well but yeah probably the best place is the facebook page for history and five songs with martin popoff okay so we shall wrap it up there go listen to some of these bands they're from all sorts of different eras we've got the 70s we've got the early 80s we've got uh all, all well actually yeah yeah the the last two that we had in there the american ones those were those were the 70s as well so it's all pretty old stuff i suppose um but yeah go listen to these bands and, and while you're at it go listen to the recent deep purple stuff and go listen to the recent uri heap stuff some of their best albums i think uh i get in a lot of crap for saying this but some of the best uri heap albums and some of the best deep purple albums i think are, are from the last 20 years. Um, so that's it. Signing off. We shall see you next time. Martin Popoff for History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Bye for now. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please, purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. 
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 